Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our text for our sermon is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 11. He also made us competent as ministers of a New Testament, not of a letter, but of spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. If the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look directly at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, though it was fading, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be much more glorious? For if the ministry that brought condemnation has glory, the ministry that brought righteousness has even more glory. In fact, in this case, what was glorious is no longer very glorious because of the greater glory of that which surpasses it. Indeed, if what is fading away was glorious, how much more glorious is that which is permanent? This is the word of our Lord. It is Transfiguration Sunday, and there with the three disciples, Jesus, who had been hiding the glory of his deity, uh, encouraged by Moses and Elijah about a month before his crucifixion, lets the glory of his deity be seen as it shines out like a brilliant spotlight. Now there with him, as I've already mentioned, was Moses and Elijah. Moses, when he would go talk to God and would get the commandments like the law, when he came back down, his face was radiant. It shone, but it was a fading glory, showing that the Ten Commandments, all the ceremony and civil laws, the laws God gave to Israel were glorious because they showed holiness. They showed purity. They showed righteousness. However, that glory faded. And so today, as we work through our text, we will ask the question, which is more glorious, a passing glory or an abounding glory? Now, the way I ask that question, you should already have arrived at the answer. But today we're going to secure that down by looking at what our text has to say. And so we look at the glory of the law and see it does have glory. And we look at the glory of the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ, which we call the gospel. So I'm going to preach on my own translation. The Greek here is kind of a hard slug, and so the translation is not as smooth as the one I just read to you, but there's some points I want to bring out. So if we start at verse 6, we're told, God also made us fit servants of a New Testament. We could just stop right there. We could preach an entire sermon here. The New Testament here is not New Testament as in Old Testament, New Testament, and it's not new as in this thing never existed before. He's talking about the good news of salvation in Christ, where Jesus has done all the work to save you. It's not new because it was promised to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. But it's more glorious. It's new in the fact that it's now been enacted and is done. And he says he's made us fit servants. He's not just talking about the apostles and the evangelists who helped them. He's talking about you and I when we get to share the good news of salvation in Christ. But then he goes on, we're told, God also made us fit servants of a New Testament, which is not of letter, but of spirit. For the letter thoroughly kills, and yet the spirit makes alive. When you have a testament, like a last will and testament, it's one person's will. I, in and of myself, have determined that you'll inherit this, and this other person will inherit that. 
We got to be careful because the word covenant tends to bring up the idea of a contract, like when you go to a bank and make a contract. This New Testament, which gives the spirit, which we're going to get into in just a minute, is all one-sided. God does all the work. The Old Testament, we can kind of view it as a contract where you do your part and as long as you're doing that perfectly and you have to do it perfectly, absolute purity, then you're saved. So that old contract, if you will, the law, it does have its glory, but he says that it is, uh, it is it's for a letter that thoroughly kills. Now, I don't want to get into politics, but the late Supreme Court Justice Anton Scalia used to talk of the Constitution as being a dead letter. And the point that he was making was, in his opinion, the Constitution was not meant to be flexible, nor the original Bill of Rights, but these were to be rights that you had, period, end of discussion, and nothing was to ever contradict those. Now, we debate that a lot in court today, but God's law, it was engraved in stone. It was a letter. It has no emotions. All it does is tell you, here is righteousness. Here is purity. And like an umpire who's unbiased at a ball game, it calls the strikes and that's it. Foul ball, strike, home run. The law says, impure, dead. End of discussion. And the scary thing is, is the law will never empower you to hit the ball, if you will. All it can do is tell you you've missed again. And again, God's law makes it clear you have to hit it 100% of the time, even, even in your thoughts, which nobody else may ever know. Too many people have the idea that our salvation is like a balanced scale where you just have more good, more strikes, or, or you have more home runs than strikes and you win the game, but that's not how it works. You have to have no unholiness, no impurity whatsoever on the scale. One little thought, which you and I both do by the minute of every day, damns you to hell. In other words, it kills you. Unholy, you're dead. This is quite the contrast to the glory of the gospel. The law had its glory because it shows you holiness and God's holiness is glorious. But the good news of salvation in Christ does something else. It demands that you believe, but when you hear the good news that Christ has done all the work to save you, the Holy Spirit works through that very message to enter your heart. So notice here in verse six, we're told of that New Testament, which is not of letter, but of spirit. For the letter thoroughly kills, yet the Spirit makes alive because the Holy Spirit gives birth to a new person that is intimately connected to Christ and is eternally alive. Verse 7 continues, Now if the service of this death, specifically in a letter which has been carved in stones, occurred in the sphere with glory of glory, with the result that the sons of Israel were continually unable to look intently at Moses' face on account of the glory of his face, which is being set aside, then how will this service of the Spirit not be much more in the sphere of glory? Very clunky English here. A lot is said. First of all, notice that Paul has gone from calling that a service of the letter to a service of death. Because when we sin, the minute you sin just once in your life, and that's it. The law damns you to hell. It's death. It's death for your sinful nature. And so he points out there that the law still had its glory. When Moses would go and talk to God, the people couldn't stare into his face. It'd be like staring into a spotlight. Yet it faded. 
See, that glory was not Moses's glory. It was the glory of God's holiness, of his purity. It was a foreign glory to Moses, and it faded away. But, he says, if that did have its glory, then how much more is the glory of the service of the Spirit? Because when the Holy Spirit gives birth to that new person in you, that new man or woman, you are alive in Christ. So which is more glorious, a passing glory or an abounding glory? The law is a service or ministry that brings death. The good news of salvation in Christ, which we call the gospel, is a service that brings the spirit. When someone tells you that Jesus is your savior, it gives you the Holy Spirit so that you believe in it. The Apostle Paul elaborates further in verse 9. He says, in fact, if there is glory in respect to this service of condemnation, then by how much more does this service of the righteousness continue overflowing in glory? Notice the law. Paul calls it the dead letter. Then he calls it condemnation. And now, and now he's calling it condemnation. It's death because it condemns. When you look into the law, it tells you you've sinned. Strike, you're out, you're damned to hell. It can't empower you to keep it. It can't give you the power to start hitting home runs. It can only call the strikes and the home runs. And if there's one strike, you're damned. So all it can do is pronounce, you're going to hell. But notice how Paul has gone from calling the good news of salvation in Christ the ministry of the Spirit to now giving it another name, the service of righteousness. And he says it continues to overflow in glory. This is because when the Holy Spirit enters your heart, you who the law condemned, damned to hell, now are intimately connected to Christ. So Christ took on human flesh and he lived perfectly for you in your place. He was tempted in every way yet never fell into sin and he has credited you with his purity. But you still were impure, you were still damned. And so he went to the cross and bore your punishment for you, fulfilling the demands of the law. Hence, the law has come to its end in Christ. Now, when God looks at Christ, God the Father looks at him, he sees your sins are paid for in full. And when God the Father looks at you, he sees Christ's righteousness. It's not your own righteousness, it's Christ, but it becomes yours because you have that new man that is connected to Christ that the Holy Spirit has given birth to. So the law that used to say unrighteous, unholy, unpure, damned, now the gospel has, says, has said to you, uh -uh, you are righteous because you have been given Christ's righteousness. And so as we ask that question, which is more glorious, a passing glory or an abounding glory, we see the law is a service that brings condemnation. That's all it can do for sinners. It can't even help them to be righteous. For sinners, it only condemns. But the good news of salvation in Christ, the God who became true man to be our substitute, the gospel is a service, a ministry that brings righteousness. Christ's righteousness. Verse 10 expounds even further. Indeed, even that which has been glorified has not been glorified in this degree, on account of a glory that is continually surpassing it. What Paul is saying here in the Greek is, the law had a glory, but its glory had a point where it stopped. 
The good news of salvation in Christ surpasses it because the, because the law was meant to stop at being all surpassing the way the good news of salvation in Christ is. And so the law had its glory and it does. It tells us holiness. But the law comes to an end. It doesn't last forever. That's what verse 11 says. In fact, if that which is being set aside occurred through glory, then that which remains will be much more in glory. When the law came, it came with God's holiness. It came through God's holiness. But the law is temporal. When you die, or if you're alive when Christ comes, whichever comes first, if you believe in Jesus, you will live eternally before the throne of God. Your sinful nature will be done away with, but the new man or woman in you will be alive forever. Like the angels, you will be confirmed in your holiness so that you will never be even tempted to sin. It'll be impossible for you to sin. And so you will no longer need that law that is calling the strikes and calling the home runs. It's gone because you will be perfectly holy. Ah, but you will always live in the grace of God having saved you. And so we see the law, it's only for this life. The gospel, well, not only is it eternal, it gives you that eternity. So the law is a fading glory. The good news of salvation in Christ, which we call the gospel, is an everlasting glory. Now, the law's glory then continues in you as a believer because once you are saved, you say, how can I thank and praise God? How can I worship God? Not in order to be saved, but because he has saved me. And the law shows you what glorifies God. So let me warn you. You've been freed from the law as a means of salvation. Be very, very careful that you do not let, we call them legalists, people who do not understand their gospel freedom, do not let legalists take the law and beat you over the head with the you ought to, you must, you're supposed to's, as if Jesus did not do all the work to save you. Don't let that bully you, because you are free in Christ. However, that law in this life, because you have a sinful nature, reminds you not to be like the man in Corinth who understood his Christian freedom, so he bragged to others that he was having sexual intercourse with his stepmother. In other words, he pretended like holiness no longer mattered. Don't let people force you into the law like what happened to the Galatians when people came along and said, oh yes, you're saved by Christ, but one thing, you just got this one little act of the law, this little act of circumcision, or what was happening in Antioch when Peter was eating with the Jewish Christians when he by accident was teaching that if you don't follow the Jewish diets, then you're not saved. Any little act of the you should, ought to, or must is, put, is making your salvation depend on the law. Know your Christian freedom, but then rejoice. Your new man naturally follows the law because he is connected to Christ. He does this not in order to be saved, but because he is saved, because he's connected to Christ. And so we see on Transfiguration Sunday, Christ has always been true God who took on human flesh and he hid his deity. So for a minute, like a dimmer switch, he turns up the brilliant light and the disciples get to see his glory. Oh, this is truly God. And then he hides it again until after he rises again from the grave. Moses had a glory, but it was the glory that God had given to him because he'd been in the presence of God and it faded. Moses continues having the glory of the gospel because he too is saved. And so I've asked you, which is more glorious, a passing glory or an abounding glory? 
The law is a service that brings death. The good news of salvation in Christ is a service that gives you the Holy Spirit, hence gives you the new man, hence gives you life. The law is a service that brings condemnation. That's all it can do since you and I are sinners. But the good news of salvation in Christ, the gospel, is a service that gives you Christ's righteousness. The law is a fading glory. It truly is God's holiness and it shows us holiness, but it's only for this life and it fades away like the glory of Moses' face. But the good news of salvation in Christ is everlasting glory because it gives you eternal life. Amen. And now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen.